everyone, and welcome to Humming Fools, a weekly podcast and amateur auditory guide hosted by nobodies and dedicated to the artists, dreamers, or anyone out there with the creative urge. I am one of your nobodies, Kyle Stuke, and I am joined by my co-host, Noah Bosley. Noah, how are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, that's, a, makes me happy, because when you're happy, I'm happy. But B, I'm extra happy today, because mm. we are doing our mental health series. Yes. And today we got an interview with Anne Reyna. Let me tell you about her really quick. I also realized that um, I opened the wrong note, so <laughs> I don't have what I wanted to say right away. Here we go. Anne Reyna is the co-director and founder of the Joshua Center, a professional counseling center dedicated to healing, training, and equipping individuals, families, businesses, and organizations in Northwest Arkansas. Anne, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. It is 100% our pleasure. Yes. Um, Before we dive into our interview, could you just give our listeners a little background into you, what you do? I mean, I briefly mentioned it, but Obviously, there's a ton more to it. Um, how you got into it, and then specifically the Joshua Center itself. Mm-hmm. Right, I am a licensed counselor. I've been. Uh, I got my master's degree in marriage and family therapy, and that's a story by itself. Mm. Uh, I started off my education in college thinking I would be a elementary school teacher, and realized during practicums that maybe I that wasn't my gift set. Um, <laughs> There were people who loved corralling kids and Mm. being creative with children. And I I could do it for a little while, but I thought I didn't want to be one of those teachers who burned out quick. And (laughs) so uh, I decided to do a little soul searching and try some different things, ended up in social work, uh, which does uh, fit my heart, a champion for the underdog and and um, also, I think systemically, so social work um, thinks on a system systems level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it fit me. I got to work with some amazing kids, uh, ended up with a degree in social work, went to work in Chattanooga, Tennessee as a single foster parent. Um, mm. I had uh, worked in a home there for uh, about two years, having anywhere from four to seven foster children in the foster care system at one time. And and basically my job, that all of them had uh, mild to moderate attachment issues. And so my job was to help them attach to me mm. uh, so that they could um, hopefully successfully transition into a permanent placement. Uh, nice. From there, I realized I knew a little bit about a lot of things, but I didn't know how to really turn moments into healing. And so decided to go get my master's degree Um and ended up uh, by my boss's recommendation at a marriage and family therapy program in uh, from Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. Uh, they have a cohort model. And so I ended up there, uh, finished in two years. Um, from there, moved to Monroe. I met my husband at Harding. He was getting his master's in marriage and family therapy too. He went on to get his PhD. I worked for court-appointed special advocates, back into the advocacy realm, um, uh, coalitioning at sexual assault, Mm. um, various um, jobs like that. Uh, Around that time, I started having children. We moved back to Arkansas um, and stayed home. I had let my Arkansas counseling license expire uh, when we moved to Louisiana, and so the standards had shifted. And I did not have the time or the energy to um, 
take a few extra classes to get that <laughs> license renewed. So all of you counselors out there, don't let that, don't let your license expire. <laughs> um, so I honestly, our church, um, I go to a church in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and they ordained me as a minister uh, so that I could meet with families and individuals um, without having a license, but just in a ministerial aspect. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a couple of years while my husband was a professor at John Brown University in the marriage and family therapy program. And uh, around the time that uh, I think my, our youngest was about a year old, we started dreaming about the Joshua Center. And so the Joshua Center, basically, we just we just thought, what would it be like to have an organization? And there are many organizations in Northwest Arkansas with great counselors. We're one of them. But what would it be like to have an organization where we could build it from the ground up and dream what we think uh, a really great private practice uh, mental health facility would be? And so we're still dreaming. Uh, we One of those dreams was to have a private practice uh, clinical setting. Another one would, is to have a retreat center. Another one would is more life coaching. We have a prayer ministry. Um, we are uh, partnering with physicians. So we're, we're expanding horizons even now. We have about... Um, Ryan and I are currently co-direct the Joshua Center, my husband and I. But right now we have about... 45 um, counselors who work with us, and it is a lot of fun. Yeah. So Dan, what I'm basically hearing is that you're a boss. I mean, that's what I got from all of that, just like a <laughs> champion. Like all the different things that you've done, I'm just like, wow. Like lots of work, lots of emotional hardship. And even if it's good, it's like that's a lot of weight to carry. Mm -hmm. And just over a long span of time and then bringing life into this world, I'm just... I mean, I try not to gush on this show, but I need to look away for a little bit because I'm just impressed. When do you uh, try not to gush? I mean, all the time, but I fail every time. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are making try. me blush. <laughs> um, that's amazing. I can't imagine being a, a single foster parent. Like, that's, that, I feel like that would be, and with multiple kids, mm -hmm. like, that would be really mm -hmm. hard. Um, wow. Well, we'll potentially dive into all that stuff. No, I'm I'm done gushing. Do you have anything to say before I... <laughs> no, that was very, very thorough, but also succinct history. Mm -hmm. um, not everyone does it that uh, that well, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was listening to an audio book. Yeah, like, exactly. This person nailed it. <laughs> um, well, listeners, don't worry. This whole episode's not just me sucking up. Um, transitioning, I just want to quickly lay some of the, the layout for what we're going to be talking about uh, tonight. And so we uh, kind of sent you some questions and ideas of stuff we wanted to talk about beforehand to give you an idea. And so listeners, that kind of concept is we're going to be talking about two different things. First, we're going to kind of live in the realm of just giving you some practical, hey, this is what counseling is. Here's things to expect, um, good questions to ask, some personal questions for me, just things I'm interested in. And then we're going to transition to some of Noah's uh, questions that are kind of on more of the, the art side, you know, getting into is there a correlation between um, artists and, uh, you know, mental disorders, you know, or a higher, you know, uh, probability and um, lots of stuff like that. So hopefully some practical and then maybe some more philosophical. And I'm sure all of it will be tasty, mm. as uh, I like to say. So... Um, and starting off, can you just um, 
because it's something I'm very familiar with and I feel like Noah is too, just because we talk about it. He knows me, he's my friend and it's something we're both interested in. But what is just counseling? What is the process? How does healing occur and what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, can I just throw in there that um, counseling, you have me and so you're going to get my perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good news about counseling is that... Um, Man, there's there are a lot of options out there. Uh, it's also the the hardest part about counseling. Finding a good counselor is kind of like uh, cars on the road. There are a lot of different cars. There's a lot of different uh, options out there. I hope it's a hopeful thing also in that mm-hmm. uh, because of there's so many options and so mm-hmm. many ways of different of viewing your world and viewing pain um, that. Uh, the likelihood of you finding someone that fits you is high if -hmm. you'll just keep looking. Mm. So counseling to me is just basically um, finding a safe place to be able to talk about um, heart issues. Um, So we talk about mental health, right? And Mm -hmm. so when I think about mental health, I think about the thought processes that go with emotions, honestly. And so um, I know I go do my own counseling work too. And the reason I go do my own counseling work is sometimes I just need a safe person on the other side of the room who I can let into my heart, the places behind the scenes uh, where most of us are pretty protective and afraid that Mm. if people see us back there, we're going to get judged harshly, Mm. right? Um, And so we're pretty protective of those places. And so counseling is just a way to hopefully allow someone back behind the scenes that's safe that can help you organize and that you don't have to be alone in pain. You know, the research, uh, the latest research says neurologically, our brains are never designed to be in pain alone. We're never designed to be Mm. uh, grieving by ourselves. Mm. That we're always looking for a connection, right? Um, The attachment theorists like Bowlby would say that we're always looking for an older, wiser other that can come be with us um, so that we're not alone in the darkest places, that we're always, that our brain is literally designed to find comfort, right? And so if no one's in that place with us and we're in pain, then guess who is left to comfort ourselves? Mm. And most of us are pretty ruthless to ourselves in those places, mm-hmm. right? And so it becomes more of an avoidance pattern. We got to get out of that place and those uh, point play, uh, pain places as fast as we can. And so we don't take, we never get the chance to even respond to our pain and work through our pain and process our, our pain and grief in a way that uh, gets us to the other side of it, that brings healing, Right, and so um, the attachment theorists would say when we are connected and in pain, then the healing process moves along like it's supposed to, right? Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that, when we're safe and secure, that we are more creative, more adventurous, we're more us, right? And so I think of counseling as a process of becoming more me, right? Mm -hmm. And becoming, uh, you becoming more you, of kind of trying to slough off old pains and layers and self-protective moves that maybe don't work anymore. Yeah. No, I really love that wording, both the we were not designed to go through, our brains weren't designed to go through pain alone, and then be the idea that counseling is just trying to, uh, would you say, get to your right. own no- normal self? To have self? a response to pain. 
right, mm-hmm. to get a response to pain. Mm. And that's the thing because it's like, you know, pain is a part of life. Like, right. you know, like that's a that's going to happen no matter what. And so it's like that part's normal. But then, yeah, it's like it's that it's not normal to to be isolated. And so there's something, again, beautiful about going through what should be the normal process of having someone there. You can't avoid the pain, but you can you can be healthier. You can be more yourself. So I think I've never thought about that way. Yeah. So again, I'm like, oh, can I just affirm myself and say thank you for <laughs> making this podcast so that I could hear that? Well, um, humans are communal beings. Like you, 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 you have people around you for every other part of your life. It's interesting that that's the part that stays that you keep to yourself. Uh, it would make sense that it's meant to be shared with at least one person that you know can can bounce off. Right. You know? You know, it, it's the problem is that our world isn't really great at responding to pain, mm-hmm. right? And so we learn pretty quick not to trust people mm-hmm. uh, in our painful places because we might end up more hurt. So uh, it is normal to be isolated in pain, uh, but there are other options, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So in, in some ways, counseling is a manufactured safe place. Yeah. I don't have to be in pain alone, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, I remember showing up for my first session with my uh, counselor, and I said, uh, honestly, I, I need a, I need someone who is uh, has to abide by confidentiality rules that I can just come and throw <laughs> <Yeah>. up on, <laughs> uh-huh. for, uh, and then help me organize. Mm. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned it, and maybe there's nothing beyond w- what you just said, but. Um, people don't seek out counseling because, or, or just any form of help going into their deep issues because it's scary. It's hard to trust. Are there, besides that, and if there's not, like, we'll just move on, but I just was mm-hmm. curious if there's other reasons or if there's any studies done on why people don't get help because Noah and I were looking at some statistics about that, and I, I forget the exact number. We covered it on our last in- introduction episode, but it was... Uh, more than 50% weren't getting help. Right. Yeah. Well, I I do think that there's still a stigma attached to counseling, right? When I sit, uh, we try to get a lot, uh, most of our counselors, we try to, like, please go do your own counseling work Mm -hmm. because there's nothing like sitting in a waiting room wondering what people are wondering why you're there, (laughs) right? And and being forced to trust the stranger with, places that you would rather not have to talk to anyone about, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think every week someone comes in my office and says, you know, my parent, my coworker, my spouse says uh, counseling, you shouldn't need counseling because you're not crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Or you shouldn't need counseling, you know, uh, that's for people who are weak, who can't solve their own problems. So I think some, and somewhat there's a shame. There's a shaming involved sometimes with, uh, just looking for someone to kind of safe to to process things through. I think sometimes it's a financial issue. I mean, counseling can be expensive. Uh, I think other times for me, I just, if I could solve it by myself, I wanted to, thank you very much, without uh, letting anybody else in yeah. on that process. So there's a, as many people as there are, there's a lot of different reasons to avoid counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then mentioning the uh, financial difficulty, I'm just curious because I, 
I, um, after kind of becoming comfortable with, you know, going myself and receiving help myself, it was kind of something that slowly and still slowly, but kind of being a little bit of an advocate for and encourager for others. Um, and it was hard uh, talking to a lot of my friends and family because there would be this desire, there would be this interest to do counseling. But then the, the top things I heard was either A, it was just financially too hard or B, um, that they had just had a bad experience. They had had mm-hmm. a bad counselor. And so obviously we can't, you know, solve everything. But I am just curious what you would say to maybe the person who says, I really am interested in counseling. I do think it'd be helpful, but I'm just, I'm I'm scared about getting a bad counselor here because that happened or because I heard it can happen. And then also just not being sure about money. Well, sure. I mean, I, I think that uh, I was worried about getting a counselor that didn't necessarily fit with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about there have been times that we've had a child that we've uh, uh, sent to counseling. We've gone to counseling once with our kids, and I was concerned, uh, my husband too, because uh, both of us know people that we wouldn't necessarily trust in a counseling office by ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so, but I think that's true with any profession, right? Uh it's a little bit different. I, what I would say is if you've had a bad experience or you're worried about having a bad experience, um, just keep trying. Advocate for yourself. It's Don't let one experience keep you from working toward being the best you that you know how to be, right? So, for instance, my—and and even someone else might have a great experience with this counselor, but this person doesn't, right? So, I have, I have a really good friend, but she's—and she's—, and she's but she's a lot shorter than me, right? So the, the outfits that fit her do not fit me, no matter how great yeah. they look on her, mm. right? And so uh, it's not that different with counseling, the way that we view the world, the way that uh, the way that we have been trained. We're all a little bit different. So I would say, you know, even pre-session, just even email or chat over the phone, like, tell me how you see the world. Tell me how you see problems, right? I want to know a little bit about you. Even questions like, do you do your own counseling work? Uh, You know, do you prescribe medication? Do you not? What is your fee? Do you take insurance? Mm -hmm. Uh, Questions like that that you can do on the upfront, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That might save you some headache once you get in there uh, and you find out, oh, wait, they don't take insurance. Wait, they don't. Um, this is more like um, goal setting and and track, you know, which is which is great. This is what a lot of people need, but that wasn't necessarily what I was looking for. Yeah, uh, when I went to counseling. So anyway, I don't know if that answers your question, but I would say just keep just give it another shot. You know, uh, ask your friends. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's good, and I. I had a good and having a good experience with Joshua Center, but before that, I had had a bad experience. And so, just to again, kind of be that personal, uh, you know, advocate for our listeners, that was hard for me. I had had a bad experience, and I felt like I had my mind had gone directions it didn't even need to go, mm-hmm. and problems had been put there that didn't even exist before. And it was right. kind of like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to do that again. And so, it was hard to come back from that, but I am very grateful that I did. So um, I think that that's a good point. It's like, it's understandable, but don't, don't deprive yourself of that future hopeful, you know, beauty. So um, then just, you know, kind of going to the actual process itself, obviously, like you said, there's different um, 
outfits, you know, of counselors and styles and all that stuff. But just to the the core basics, is there things that if people are nervous about going that they can kind of just expect? I think one thing you mentioned, which was great, was just that you can have those pre-conversations, you know, through email or whatever to, to kind of root out, you know, someone who might have not been a good fit. But just, yeah, is there things that people can expect, basic general things from counseling to kind of make it appear less scary? Right. You can expect, I mean, like going into any doctor's office, you can expect some paperwork. Mm. Uh, we, the, our counseling organizations, our licensing boards, whether you're meeting with a social worker, uh, a master's level social worker, uh, or if you're meeting with a, a licensed counselor or a marriage and family therapist, we have we have licensing boards that sort of dictate what our intake processes look like. Uh, so you'll have to f- fill out some paperwork. Some of it's called an informed consent, which basically means you we have to tell you what to expect and you have to give consent to that. Uh, so my informed consent, some of them, I, I hate that People have to read it all the way through because it's like four pages long. Mm-hmm. Some of it's simple like, hey, I'm a mother. And so if my kids get sick suddenly, I will have to cancel without mm-hmm. notice, right? Yeah. Do, are you okay with that? Um, I can't be social media friends mm. uh, with my clients. I need you to be aware of that, right? Uh, you can you can expect confidentiality. Uh, Arkansas is very strict about confidentiality. It's more like a lawyer-client privilege. Nice. Uh, and so you can expect your counselor to talk about that. If they don't talk about that, you you bring it up. The only time that uh, there may be times that you have to break confidentiality, we're all mandated reporters when we work with people. Mandated reporting means if there's any suspicion of any kind of abuse or neglect of a protected population. So that's like kids, elderly, mm-hmm. um, special needs, right, mm-hmm. that we have to report um, that to the um the agencies that take care of that. Uh, otherwise, everything is pretty confidential. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Um, another question, and this one hopefully isn't too much of a curveball because I just thought of it. I didn't write it down. Can, but, I, can uh, I say one more thing about the last? Uh, of course. You can expect when you come in, you're not going to get, probably not get right into your issue right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Whatever has brought mm-hmm. you in, there, there's probably going to be more of paperwork and like tell me what you've what you've tried before, tell mm-hmm. me, you know. So it's going to be a lot of back. I know a lot of people get discouraged when they come in and, and they're feeling sort of in crisis, right? And and they're like, man, all we did was talk about paperwork and like the process of getting started. And mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping to get started, yeah, right? So um, uh, just be aware that might be part of the process too. And something else too, and you can speak to this as well is something a lot I heard from a lot of people who had gone, which is they're like, just so you know, like it's probably going to feel worse or get worse before it gets better in terms of how I was feeling about the thing. Like it's going to be hard or it might like, might be like, Oh, this is really great. Like, yeah, thumbs up, like counseling. And then just like after one session, it might just be that moment of like, (laughs) or like a period of like, Oh, I just always feel bad. And, that's kind of how it was for me as I started. And I was like, those guys, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, I feel great. Like, <laughs> yay, counseling, like throwing like bouquets of flowers everywhere. And then it just started to, then it, it felt like actual work. Mm-hmm. And I would leave exhausted. And I was, I would have that, that fear of like, am I getting worse? No, it's happening again. But it was just that stuff was hitting me. Um, and I think maybe there's, 
periods of that. But I thought that was good advice for me because I, otherwise I would have maybe believed more that, that those like quick anxiety fears of like, oh no, like this is bad. Like, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I have this closet under our stairs that all year long I just throw things in. And it's, it's kind of a random slash tornado shelter slash, uh, I don't know, junk. You know, uh, there's wrapping paper. I don't even know what all's in there. It's, mm. But uh, last year I decided to pull all of it out and try to organize it. And I remember I got about four hours in and I'd pulled everything out and I thought, what have I done? Like, mm. this is way more than I thought it would be. In fact, I remember thinking this, is, I, I just wish I'd never started. I just wish it, like, it's more, this is more uncomfortable for me than it was like all shoved in that closet, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and I remember thinking, this is like counseling, right? Mm. Like, um, you know, we we kind of like have those pain points where we kind of shove back and, and it works for us. And then all of a sudden we think, you know what, maybe I should look at that. Maybe it doesn't work for me. Maybe I need that space for something else, right? And, and then we start pulling out and then it's really common to go, hold on a second. Like this is way messier, you know, like, and way more disorganized than I thought it would be. What have I done, right? Mm -hmm. The good news is if we just, if we know if we can just keep working, if we can just keep one foot and, you know, one moment in front of the other, one step in front of the other, eventually it gets organized, mm -hmm. right? And we've got space. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're never sad that we did that. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, mo some of us can get stuck in that process though and just be like, this is too much, I'm done. Yeah, no, I think that's a good imagery, but I also feel like it shows how nerdy I am because when you said underneath the-, the Harry Potter. Yeah, I thought oh. about Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't have him living in Mars. So. <laughs> um, so my my random in my head question, you know, I think it's something I've been thinking about, but I just was like, oh, I mean, I have a professional in front of me I should ask right now. Um is both for friends, family, and then also like romantic relationships. I'm curious what you would say to those who kind of maybe are in the closet about their their issues mm -hmm. and then start counseling. Um, what you could say to encourage them or advice or however you want to take this question about um, peeling back that layers and letting people into that stuff. I think for me, it was very easy to do with family and then pretty easy to do with friends. But I kind of put myself on a long, no dating sabbatical because I was like, I, no one needs to be with this right now. That wouldn't be fair to them. And I don't <laughs> even know what's happening. Uh, but coming out of that, I've now found in starting to like get to know people and try to date more and all that stuff. I'm like, I don't really find this part of me attractive. I don't really want to share this with someone else. But obviously, no relationship can survive without true intimacy and honesty and all that stuff. And that's a part of me, so it needs to be shared. But I've been like, I don't really know how to, in a non-too-soon like way, be like, here's these things about me that are very deep and personal. And so I just thought... I thought that kind of question applies, though, to anyone. You know, right. if someone's afraid of talking with family or with friends, j just what you would have to say about um, having a conversation about that with people. Right. I, I think I think what you're talking about is is what makes someone safe. Mm -hmm. Right. I think I think sometimes, you know, uh, I'm going to throw out a little Bible at you, but uh, <laughs> throw it at me. You know, Jesus said, "Don't don't throw your pearls before swine." Right. And sometimes I think of that that verse and I think of man our pearls sometimes are are the places that we're like 
have pain points or that we grieve or that we worry about or that we're insecure in. Those are the places we guard, right? And and those are the places, honestly, that um, someone asked me, as a side note, someone asked me a few weeks ago, how do you sit with people in really dark places and not kind of get overwhelmed mm-hmm. with dark things? And I said, you don't, I think I think what people don't understand is that when when people let you in, those places, it's like, it's like holy ground. It's sacred mm. places, right? And and that's where you see people be the most courageous and the most authentic and the most them, right? It's actually mm-hmm. the most inspiring place I can be. And so uh, it's like, how do I, how do I guard these beautiful things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do I, how do I know when someone's safe that they won't accidentally trample on them? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and so my question for you would be like, what made your family safe? Mm. Man, I, I think, I think it's the, the pre-established relationship. And I think it's the time. And I think that again, it's, it's not hard for me to, I, I like being honest. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a no BS kind of thing. It's like, just going to tell you how I feel because otherwise we're wasting time. And right. so I think that that's how I think my family's like my parents have done a good job of like, that's how we communicate. We're very close and we don't hide from conflict. And so I think those are the traits that has made it like, well, they may not like it or and not in regards to, you know, my anxiety, but, you know, even stuff that I know, like they may not agree or whatever. I know I like will be accepted. Right. So I think that's kind of what would make them safe is right. that pre-established bond. And especially having, I think a lot of times humans and myself, especially I use uh, I, I comparison. So I can look at my history and go, well, I told them that thing, mm-hmm. it was chill. So I can tell them this thing, it'll be chill. Right. As a, and again, with our people, you're like, I told this person that I took one of their beers and then they threw one at me. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that again. You know what I mean? Right, and so, right. uh, yeah. We're quick learners that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so I think I love what you're saying. What you're saying is, man, there, there are times I've tested the waters, mm-hmm. right? And these people respond and they love me. And uh, I think sometimes we, we come with those places that, that we hurt in or that we haven't figured out yet or that we're confused about or insecure about. And we're afraid people will, will think that's us, like those things define us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and humans, we're just so much more complex than that, right? And so uh, the people that I trust into my own pain story are people who know how to walk in their own pain story, right? And so um, I, I want to know, are you in process? Will you get me? Will you hear my language, right? right? Do you know what what I'm talking about when I talk about the heart, right? Are you going to, like, throw, um, or are you going to throw, like, a proverb at me? Or, you know, like, yeah. uh, so... I think knowing kind of where are you, the other person, where are they on their own journey, right? I don't want to get too far ahead or too far behind, but I want to gauge, like, are you ready for me, mm-hmm. right? And and if they're not, that says, that is, I mean, that says more about where they are, right? I can mm-hmm. love them by, like, not forcing them into places they're not ready for. I can lovingly challenge. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but I can also love myself enough uh, not to diminish me in that process either. Mm. I don't have to lose me there either. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So anyway. No, I love that. 
Um, and I, I, I like, too, that I'm able to listen to it again because I feel like I got it. But now I, I know that I can also just replay it fully in my mind. Yes. Mm. Sometimes it's like, oh, so much good stuff. Ugh. But <laughs> It's always scary. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is always scary. Yeah. I think, I think for me, too, it's kind of funny because everyone gets anxious about things. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a normal part of life. And so sometimes it's hard for me to be like, if something's scary, I may just interpret that as, oh, that's just me, as opposed to this would be scary to other people. So mm-hmm. it's like, I think saying hard things or personal things is scary for anyone. Right. Uh, and so it's just. Yeah, when, when someone says they have anxiety, I'm like, it's like saying you have a bladder, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a bladder. Everyone mm-hmm. has anxiety. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have an overactive bladder, we look at like what's happening mm-hmm. to create that, mm-hmm. right? If your anxiety is on stage all the time, yeah, right? It's, it's worth a look. Mm-hmm. I am to, to keep with the energy constantly peeing. So. <laughs> you, you, you have need both to go right of those now. things. That's right. I have it in real life and also symbolically. <laughs> um, my last two questions, because then I want to give Noah a good time, is A, and this is a big question, and so I, I um, recognize it may not be a simple answer, but uh, I think a big thing, too, that I discuss with friends and even think about myself in reference to mental health and, um, you know, counseling is the the use of medication. And I, mm-hmm. I that's something else that I had a bad experience with and just have then since been like, no, thank you. But then there continues to be time where I'm like, if you put a pill in front of me, I will take it right now because it's really hard. Mm-hmm. But f- afraid of, uh, and I always say like being neutered is like what I call it because it's just my bad experience was just feeling numb and not feeling like myself. And I think especially for our listeners in the context of this podcast, like being creative, it's scary to think about maybe losing that side. And so again, to just turn it back into a more general question, similar to the past one, just to the, to the listener who maybe is like, I might be interested in medication paired Mm -hmm. with, with counseling, but I'm scared of what it will do to me. What kind of thoughts or um, encouragement would you have for the, for that person? Right. Well, I think I think having a healthy sort of concern is always good when it comes to medication, especially that uh, targets your brain, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, with when if you're considering medication, you need to absolutely like work really closely with your doctor. Uh, not uh, Medications are not uh, one size fits all. Uh, they uh, they absolutely, like antidepressants is a big category, but the antidepressants, some of them hit this part of the brain, some of them hit this part of the brain, right? And so depending on your makeup and what your brain needs, one medication might send you into despair, right? And, and increase mm-hmm. suicidality. Another medication might be just the right fit for you. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm, again, lots of people have lots of different takes on this. Uh, I think medication is appropriate if someone's not safe or if they really need some stability and they're really having trouble doing um, uh, work um, with um, what's going on with their heart and their emotions and their thoughts without it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think it's highly appropriate if, when maybe, um, for instance, like, postpartum, there is a high uh, incident of postpartum depression among women, right? And so absolutely, that is absolutely a great time to look, check in with your doctor and see, hey, 
is this something I could seasonally look into to get my body and my hormones and my chemicals sort of like give me a chance to kind of get restabilized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't prescribe medication, but there have been a few times that I've said, please go check with your doctor. Let him know you haven't slept in a week, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's see if, if we can get you a little bit of rest so that we so that you have the energy right and and you can like dive into maybe what's underneath what's keeping you up mm. right um so all that to say i think um i don't i don't think medication should be used in lieu of your heart work mm-hmm. right uh i think it can be a help with your heart work i think well, for instance, let's take anxiety. Mm-hmm. So do you, anxiety is basically, so this beautiful part of our brain called the amygdala is constantly scanning for threats. Its job is to help us survive. So it's like looking around our, it's like anything that looks like, smells like, feels like something that could lead or has led to pain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to let you know about it, Anne. And, and so it does that by sending this cocktail of chemicals right? Uh, a little bit of adrenaline, a, uh, a little bit of cortisol or stress hormone, it's going to dump that. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's just knocking at my door saying, hey, pay attention, this could hurt you. Yeah, That's what anxiety is, right? You need to be on top of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do most of us do with anxiety? When you feel really anxious? Uh, I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> I don't know what normal people do. <laughs> what do you do now? Uh... I don't do the thing. <laughs> I'd say I'd act like yeah, I'd I try know. to, I don't know try what to it... change what is happening for right. me. Yeah. Uh, Most people like distract or they'll, mm. you know, um, they might throw, uh, again, a, a verse in there, like be anxious for nothing, almost like I shouldn't feel like this, so I'm going to change the channel. Mm-hmm. So if I were, um, if my child was inside a house and I felt like that child was in danger and I was knocking on the door to try to get it to pay attention mm-hmm. and it wouldn't, and he wouldn't pay attention. Like what, what do you think I would do if that were my child? Try to get in the house. You, yeah, you would, I would get louder. Yeah. Right. I mm-hmm. would like, we would start. So that's what anxiety does. Mm. Like if we're not, if we distract ourselves, if we like numb it, like avoid it, mm. it, it, because it's a good protector, our amygdala is going to pick up, oh, it can't hear it. It's not listening. So let's just mm-hmm. ring the doorbell louder, yeah. right? Let's Until, right, until it's, it seems to be any kind of stage time that it gets, any kind of free moment, it's going to jump on stage and yell at us, right? Because yeah. it's like this could hurt you. So most of us don't stop and go, okay, what are you trying to say, amygdala? <laughs> what are you afraid is going to happen here, mm-hmm. right? Most of us try to outrun that place. So if, it, if you know anxiety is a threat, the question is, what am I being threatened by, right? Is it a physical issue, right? Is, is my body somehow off a little bit? And so it's sending these signals to my amygdala saying, pay attention, mm. right? I, I need to get a good physical scan or chemicals or like are my uh, vitamin levels, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it something external, right? Uh, is there something that is that my amygdala is picking up on that's th- external threat and how do I honor it and, and work with my body, right, to find some safety. Yeah. So anyway, mm. I don't know if that answers your question about medication, but medication won't do that part, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you you kind of have to uh, dig in there and do a little work mm-hmm. yourself for that part, so. 
No, I think it's good stuff to to think about because I mean that's how I've always felt is kind of like well I would much I'm I'm much more confident in the like physically working towards it like right. and asking those questions because I always thought it's like yes like there's brain chemicals but it's also like it's the the chemicals aren't changing what my world is like it's not right. changing that th- these things hurt me or right. like that I had these experiences and mm. so. Uh, without just like numbing me, right. you know, like the same that alcohol would do to where right. I'm not feeling, would there be a benefit to it? So I think that's kind of the, the the struggle that I go in between of like, I know that I'm doing the work here. Sometimes it's still really hard on these days and I have these side effects. So is it worth trying out stuff and potentially going through some funky phases right. or just kind of like toughing it out? So Anyway, I think that the stuff you said at the beginning, talking about like what is its purpose and what is being accomplished with it is good stuff for, right. to, 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 what for me the, to think about. What are the symptoms, mm-hmm. right? Like, because there is usually a cost. Like you said, I, I lost, like I felt a little numb. I don't mm-hmm. like that feeling of not having access mm-hmm. to all of me, yeah. right? Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's work with your doctor about that. Say, I don't like this. Is there Are there other options, right? Mm-hmm. If, that's, if that's the route that you so choose. Yeah. Um, so then my last one is just beyond, um, you know, counseling. Is there just stuff in general that people can do to seek better mental health? So either if they are going to counseling um, or, or maybe someone like Noah who is not going but is still wanting to be healthy and not have, you know, bad tendencies or, you know, other stuff. Is there just like some basic stuff, uh, wisdom that you would pass along to the average man or woman? Right. I would say the first thing is is try to live connected. Find some find some find a community, find uh, somebody to connect to. Uh, we don't uh, we don't work right in isolation. Uh we, we struggle with that. All humans do. We are definitely pack mammals, right? Mm. So uh, I would say also just kind of look at the different aspects of your life. Uh, I, Ryan, my husband, and I constantly are looking at how are we balanced, right? Uh, how, are, how are we doing socially, right? How are we pouring in and getting poured into socially? How are our connections doing? How are we doing? Like, are we growing intellectually, Right? Um, are we? How are? How is our relationship going? How am I doing spiritually? How am I doing physically? Right? If any of those things are off, mm. or uh, being avoided, which happen, right? Uh, for all of us, then I know the the other systems are going to be affected by that too. Mm. So it's like, okay, how do I get back in balance here? Right? How do I invest? I think of uh, self care. This is a world where we don't talk about rest very much. Right. Uh, when I think of self-care, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but the average like career span for a counselor before burnout is about seven years. Wow. And so mm. we talk a lot about like how do we keep our, ourselves in the ball game? Like how do we keep these hearts in the ball game be- before burnout? Right. And and so we talk a lot about self-care and rest. So a lot of times, uh, it's like where do what can am I am I doing the things where I feel the most like me? Right? I think mm. that's what I think of when I think of rest, right? Where I feel the most like Anne. So uh, for those look very different for my husband than it does for me. Mm. 
right? My my sweet place is like on my couch, like with a great book or out mm. in the sunshine with a with a good book, uh, a cup of coffee, right? Yeah. His his rest looks more like jump on a bicycle and go in 30 miles. Uh, very different mm-hmm. uh, ideas of rest, but both of those just fuel us, right? So it's like, how do we invest little moments like that of rest? How do we... Um, uh, how do we find time to pour into our own hearts, right? And uh, whether it's our own counseling work mm-hmm. uh, to expand who we are and how we see the world, right? Like I'm, we're always wanting to grow. So I would say like just just enjoy your own growth processes, get connective, kind of look and get curious about am I out of balance on something? Could I add something? And I think uh, self-care, yeah. Yeah, no, I dig it. Thank you. Um, Meditation's really good too. I thought you said, sorry, a second, medication. I was like, wait, I'm confused. <laughs> and medication. <laughs> meditation, yes. Um, Noah, thank you for letting me take time to Absolutely. dive into that my was, specific stuff. It was stuff. fun to be a, uh, a silent watcher. A French fly on the wall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will now hand the reins over to you. Will you now please take us Are on you the French? more. Mm-hmm. He, is he? Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, will you take us on the more philosophical slash art side now, my sure. friend? Um, and I'm a, I actually have preliminary questions based on <laughs> what I was. Oh, do it absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and this is one that I think about a lot. But uh, and I actually asked Kyle this on the last episode uh, to hear his opinion. But I was curious about yours. Do do you recommend that? So if so, if someone feels like they don't really have anything that they're struggling with at the time, mm-hmm. there's not really any healing that needs to take, take place. Um, would you still recommend that those people go to therapy and, and see what happens or like out of curiosity, is that a legitimate reason to, to well, go? Honestly, yes. Mm. Uh, if, especially like we have people come in all the time who uh, their insurance covers counseling. Oh yeah. Right. And they're like, well, let's just might as well. Might yeah. as well. Let's, mm-hmm. let's look and see, you know, is there anything that, are there any blocks to me becoming the me? Mm. Right. Are there right. any, is there anything in the, any fears in the way or any right. kind of insecurities? They might be, you know, uh, that's the funny thing about fear and insecurity. For uh, all of us, it looks a little bit different, mm. right? And mm-hmm. so what one person, because of their their history or their um, how they frame the world, something might not hit them as something that you have to be afraid of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then other people, it might be like tormenting, mm. right? And so it's like, I mean, look at the little Little fears, little yeah. insecurities. You know, there's not anything big on the horizon right now. Mm-hmm. But anything you can do to sort of prep, because this world is hard on us, mm. right? And if if we don't have war wounds yet, we will. Yeah. So um, it's 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 like, okay, what kind of prep work can I do? Be equipped for the future, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, that might answer my <laughs> my next question. But I always have a fear uh, associated with the idea of going for no reason, quote unquote. Um, and it's that I'll unearth something that I didn't realize was a problem. Mm-hmm. And then now it's a, it's a real fear. And I think you also kind of answered that with the, the closet under the stairs analogy. We're like, it might just be cause it's, it's stored away, but eventually it'll, I'll have to make some room and then it'll, I'll find it out. And then I won't be equipped if I, if I don't have the answers. So yeah. 
Well, mm. and I would say you're not going to find out anything new about you, mm. right? You're right. gonna you you might have some space to get more curious, mm-hmm. right? But there's not going to, I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, yeah, right? We're we're fairly aware of mm-hmm. our our stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So it's like, yeah, I don't think that you're going to become any less you because of counseling, right? Right? It's it's more of like, how do I own my whole story? Mm. All of it. Right? How to become more me. Cool. I like it. Um, <clears throat> I was looking at my first question here, and I realized it makes absolutely no sense, even though I, I read it a few times when I wrote it. But I may have been in a different state of mind. So I'm going to skip ahead, and I'm going to... No, you have to ask. No. <laughs> um, just the wording doesn't make sense. Um, have you ever... Uh, and I don't know if there's statistics on this or anything or in your personal experience, have you ever noticed a correlation between um, people being creatives and artists and stuff like that and struggling with mental health? I saw that question on your paper Mm. and I've been thinking about it uh, quite a bit. Um, So I would say no and yes. Mm. I think creative types are maybe a little more in tune with their heart. Uh, right. a little more in tune uh, and curious about what's going on uh, with them. And so they might be more aware mm. of of pain where m- some people try to distance themselves or numb it or like outwork it or outrun it. Uh, it seems like creative types actually want a connection with that part of them sometimes. Does that make sense? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and what's Sweet is, I mean, I, I do see some of that. And I also know creative types who um, who absolutely try to outrun, mm. you know, their pain story, their grief story. But so it's hard to kind of, you know, throw everybody in the same pot. Uh, what I would say is, you know, I think some of your questions were about, about maybe getting stuck in that place, right? Mm-hmm. Like what if, do... Are there is it a, is there a chance that that becomes who I am as a creative? Right, because it seems like it's for a lot of artists that's tied to authenticity. Right, we're like, oh, this is like the truth of my my work. Uh, if I if I heal from this, and I won't have that pain to draw from, and things like that, mm-hmm. um, or at least from what I've noticed. Right, and and I would say yes and no. Mm-hmm. Right, I think uh, the pain story is always there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just becomes part of our story. Once once we live through hard things, and once we kind of move in and process pain, our we're different. Yeah, right. We we feel differently. We notice different things. So people who've done that their whole lives have noticed and lived in and touched and been curious about that pain part of their story. Like they're not they're a noticer, right? Mm-hmm. They're not ever going to not notice pain, mm-hmm. right? I would say the the sweet thing is like on right on the other side of that pain if it can if people can just be brave enough to process it mm-hmm. is where they're going to find long-term creativity yeah and long-term uh curiosity uh and they're going to become more authentic mm. right when when we think man we're this is my story and I'm going to stay here because this is my story Right, and we don't give ourselves a chance to expand us. Like yeah. We're afraid of losing part of us, mm-hmm. right, by healing, by growing. Um, 
instead of becoming more us, more of us, right? Mm. Like uh, there are definitely pain points in my story. They'll always be there. Yeah. Right? Um, but that's not my whole story anymore. Mm. Right? I'm also like there's also a part of joy that I've been able to experience on the other side of that. There's been like compassion and love. Like I remember a time in my life where I didn't even, I was like, I think I have to muster up love. Maybe I have a love hmm. issue. Maybe I'm right. the one with attachment issues, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, man, and so on the other side of that pain process, like the the emotions and the deep emotions that my heart was was capable of, mm-hmm. like it blew my mind, yeah. right? I think it's hopeful for uh, creative types to just go, wait a minute, let me just, authenticity is like owning my whole story. Let me give my myself a chance mm. like to speak with my whole heart not just the pain part right and to give myself enough uh give my pain part enough words yeah right mm-hmm. an expression um to be able to move through it mm. i think um i think sometimes i get a little jealous of creative types because it does seem like they're able to express pain mm-hmm. right so beautifully and metaphorically their words their like paintings, their art, you know, I mean, it's just music. It's beautiful. Um, I just, you know, I get jealous of that part sometimes. Like, oh, yeah. like they get to like express and tell their story mm. with permission, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, mm-hmm. Kyle, you were saying like, I'm afraid to tell my, all of my stories sometimes. I'm afraid, yeah. right? Uh, it's easier to do it, you know, on a canvas yeah. sometimes than it is to sit across from someone. Uh, But again, like a lot of times I think people get stuck in um, isolation there, Mm -hmm. right? When you're not, so so the painting might tell a story, but that pain also needs to be responded to. Is there there something scary happening? No, well, I mean, it's not scary. It's more frustrating (laughs) in our little dingy setup is we can't uh, control cleaning and or apparently the air conditioning either, which I tried to take care of, um, may have been turned on against my will. Um, Nothing scary, just a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) I might have to go to therapy for that. Oh, yeah, me too. I got triggered. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, just to comment on that really quick, mm-hmm. um, I think it. I think getting stuck is is great verbiage because I think about for myself, being able to process through art is so helpful, mm-hmm. and I don't. I would never want to take that away from myself because I, mean, I think that it's very nice for me to be like, well, why don't I like create this fictional story with this character who's basically me, and I can just experience and even sometimes some like um, wish fulfillment through them. And I think that's very impactful. And then especially when people then react and read said story, they're able to go like, wow, that's really hard. And then you're like, ooh, I got an in. That's me. And they're like, well, I know. But, um, you know, or stuff like that. But then I think about getting stuck is sometimes while revisiting those areas or like trying to convert the emotion from, you know, mind and heart to, to page I can I can get stuck to where I'm like, oh, I'm now actually remembering these things and getting upset again, mm-hmm. or it's bringing up something unresolved, and then you kind of like sit in that, and then it all pours out of you, and then I think that's kind of where it's like, oh, well, this is great stuff, so I'm going to stay here right. for a while. And so I think it is kind of like, that's an interesting way to think about it, of it's not necessarily that there's a correlation, it's just that 
there is more honesty slash more willingness or not skill, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the ability, but then it, with that ability comes, well, maybe we actually are supposed to get off the bike, like it's like exercise. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. awesome that you can do that, but you can't stay there forever. And then it just, your, your legs get too ripped, mm. which is a problem I've never <laughs> suffered from. Um, <laughs> weird imagery, but anyway, I like the verbiage of being stuck. <clears throat> yeah, um, no, I, I do as well. Um, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm reading through my questions and a lot of them got answered by uh, – the questions that Kyle was asking just from by association and things like, you know, the process of healing and all that stuff. It's a lot of it is pretty universal. Like no matter what you're going through, there's certain things um, like uh, addressing the pain and and, and not, um, not holding onto it and all these things that, that apply across the board. Are there any, uh, do you think there are any habits that, that creative types can take that are that are healthy that can kind of keep them from from you know falling back into obviously going to therapy might might be one of them, but um just kind of keep them from spiraling into something, especially if they're diving into the serious content and and trying to channel that. Um, are there things that people can do to to stay healthy? Right. I think um again. So we we will grieve, you know, our mm-hmm. like our our I mean we are fearfully and wonderfully made to survive, right? Uh and our brain remembers things that were especially painful things mm-hmm. so that we will avoid those things yeah. in the future, right? And so um knowing I'm going to be triggered. Mm-hmm. Uh, every once in a while, I'm going to bump up against something that had was painful in the past or rem- reminds me of something or or that I feel vulnerable about, right? So um, I think, again, going, all right, so this is normal. Like, all of us feel anxiety. All of us get triggered. All of us, like, uh, deal with a little fear. Mm-hmm. A lot of us feel a little insecure. A lot of us get really confused. A lot of us doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's sort of a universal thing. I hope that's that's hopeful. But, but to sit and go, all right, so how how long do I stay here? Because the thing is we're going to grieve, but we're not designed to walk around and grieving 24 hours a day. Yeah. It's too much for our bodies mm-hmm. and it's, it's too much for, so how do I honor it? Give it space to be honored so that it, so that it honors where I am. Mm-hmm. Right. So it might be like, I'm going to just give myself two hours to, you know, uh, using to tell my story, mm-hmm. you know, with this in mm-hmm. this frame. And then I'm, gonna like all right I'm gonna sort of metaphorically pack that up into a box Mm. right a very beautiful treasured box and I'm gonna say I'll get to you tomorrow yeah right I'll Mm -hmm. pull you back out tomorrow because I have other other places to be present too Mm. right uh we have a life to live uh in spite of grief Mm -hmm. right and so uh different seasons that looks really different depending on um is it a recent is there like fresh grief is mm. this old grief revisited, right? Um, because I mean, and I keep using the word grief because every person who comes in my office is if there's pain, they're telling me their grief story, right? Yeah. Like we kind of hope life works out for us. <laughs> yeah. And when it doesn't, we grieve, right? Right. Transitions, uh, all transitions, we kind of have, have an element of grief, mm. even good transitions, right? And so, um, 
I think leaning in and going, how how much time am I am I spending enough time to honor it, mm-hmm. right? And then and then am I doing a good job changing the channel and being more like invested in the other places in my life too? Right. Does that make sense? I read mm-hmm. this article a long time ago. I was I was working in that children's home in Chattanooga. Anyway, the article was written by somebody who was working with pedophiles at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, when you spend 80% of your waking hours around uh, people who've struggled with pedophilia, mm-hmm. you start to suspect 80% of the population might struggle with pedophilia, mm-hmm. right? It, it starts to color all of the, it starts to frame uh, and change like the glasses where you see the world, yeah. right? And so, so you have to sort of be intentional about about changing your focus and yeah. reminding yourself, wait a minute, like life is more complex than that, mm-hmm. right? I'm more complex than that. Like whenever I do my own grief work, there's a part of me that's grieving. There's a part of me that's sad. There's a part of me that's really fearful and wants to talk about worst case scenarios like incessantly, right? And there's also a really brave part of me. There's a part of me that notices the sunshine and the flowers and the way the the bark peels off a birch tree, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a part of me that's adventurous and brave. Like, so how how do I invest in all the parts of me? Yeah, right, and and do that in a balanced way. So, yeah, I, I love the idea of kind of compartmentalizing and and dedicating time to whatever pain you're trying to channel, so that it doesn't feel neglected, but at the same time you're able to put it away for a little bit and then. Right. Be, uh, be functional uh, the rest of the time. Because if you don't, it'll start to be intrusive. Right, right. Because it, it it deserves to be heard and mm-hmm. it knows it. Yeah, I love that. Um, may, maybe I'm noticing this more and more just because I'm getting older and, and kind of uh, uh, more curious about it. But have you noticed any or... Uh, have, yeah, have you noticed any trend in media, uh, a growing trend of kind of glamorizing mental health issues and 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 maybe making them seem like almost like a cool thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think, how do I say this? I don't know about glamorizing. I mm-hmm. think people are starting to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the people talking about it don't really know what they're talking about. Mm. Um, so I, I think of it less as a glamorization than it is like, oh, this is sort of misinformation. Just misinformation, yeah. Right? Mm. Uh, that so you can struggle with depression. Yeah. And and yet that my identity is not I'm a depressed person, right? Mm. Like uh, does that make sense? Like yeah. I'm I'm a more complex than that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I might struggle with anxiety. I think it's great that we're finally talking about mental health issues. I think a lot of times uh, we have done a poor, poor job uh, in communities responding to pain. Yeah. Right? And so, um, and when we don't respond to pain, we have more pain. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm glad that we're talking about it and that, People are bringing up their pain, mm. right? Uh, and I and I'm hoping that it gets responded to, yeah, uh, in ways that are like lend toward healing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I sometimes wonder, like, what is the what is the purpose of what's happening? Like, what's the agenda? Yeah, well, I don't right. trust media as much. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I think I think people want to they I think people don't know who they are. Mm. Right? And so they're always looking for like how can I be unique? How can I identify myself? Cuz we desire to be unique. All yeah. of us do. All of us want to be like we're not we know we're not cookie cutter. We want to stand out. We mm-hmm. want to we, we want to be special. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. so uh I think sometimes people will grab those things as like hear me, this is my uniqueness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's great. You know, mm-hmm. like I can love people, mm-hmm. uh, in their uniqueness. Mm-hmm. I also think they're, I also already know there's more to them. Right. Than that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a way to, to tell these stories? Um, if like to, to talk about a specific type of pain, if you haven't been through it. So like, if you want to like, oh my goodness, I want to tell this story. Cause I think this is important. People need to know about this depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, all these uh, disorders. Um, is, a, is, is there a way to, to talk about that without having gone through those things? Or, um, yeah, you're nodding your head yes. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, sometimes I think people come for counseling, and I think, man, if you just had a really good friend, mm. right? What we know is that that. We're always, when we're in pain, we're looking for someone to come respond. I mean, our pain is a, is a request. Can, can, is anyone here? Like, mm-hmm. am I in this by myself? Am I hopeless? I feel hopeless, right? Yeah. And so um, I can respond even if I've never been through what somebody has been through, right? I can, I can connect with that part of myself mm-hmm. that knows what it's like to feel like uh, sad mm-hmm. or overwhelmed, it may not look exactly. I don't, I don't have, I haven't been through every single thing that uh, people come into my office. I, don't, I haven't been through their story. Right. 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 Uh, what I can't, I can't do that for them. I mm-hmm. can't live that out for them. What I can do is just offer me mm-hmm. in that moment. That's yeah. all I can offer. Yeah. Right. And I think if, if more of us, I can't tell you how many times, and I have training, like, oh my goodness, I have, I could fill this room with books of knowledge, but I can't tell you how many times I stand outside a hospital room or uh, my own counseling room and go, I don't know. I don't want to mess this up. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. Right? And Lord, please don't help me. Help me not say something really dumb. Right. That brings more pain. Right? Mm -hmm. But I also know that the worst thing is to be not responded to at all. Right. Right? And so even if it's just going in and holding a hand and mm. saying, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know what to say, but you don't have to do it by yourself. Like, right? Like, I've got your back. Or uh, I can't offer much, but I can listen. Yeah. Right? I can do that. I can I can offer this heart. You know, I, I can even give you permission to tell me to hush mm-hmm. if I'm talking too much. Right? And, and I think just having somebody in that place space with you um, so for instance, there's this, there's this thing called attunement. You know, I had, I drove my dad's old Ford pickup, uh, for a long time and it had those old radio stations that you had to literally turn the dial, right? Mm-hmm. FM, AM. And, uh, attunement says, so for instance, if we're talking about my husband and I, my husband's probably going to be on a sports talk radio station, right? Yeah. I'm going to be on, I don't know, some kind of audio book mm-hmm. or podcast, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if my kids aren't in the car. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the, the research says, like, if if one of us is in pain, like, 
So if Ryan is in pain and he and he's on sports talk radio, then if I can to turn my dial off of the station I'm listening, doesn't mean my station's a bad station. Right. If I can go find him, like and and tune into that mm-hmm. that station where he is in pain, literally in a neurological level, his body will feel me there. Like that, I get it. I hear him. I'm here with him. Does that make sense? I'm not here to fix it. I'm not here to like tell him he's doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'm just here to be with you. And I understand why you feel this way. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going to ask questions so he can, it's that the the research says if somebody can come do that for somebody else, then literally um, our brains like translate that as safety Mm -hmm. and security. Mm -hmm. And at that point we become more open to new information. Yeah. Right? By mm-hmm. ourselves, we don't have to manufacture. That's just a product of mm-hmm. being like present with someone well. Yeah. Right? And so most of us aren't really taught how to be present with somebody. Uh because most of us haven't been responded to well and we learn to respond to others by being responded to. Mm. Right? And so we're just not really great at that as a society. So to say, all right, like I may not have been through what you've been through, but I can I can come try to see through your eyes, right? Like the really valid reasons that you feel the way that you feel in this moment. Right. And I can be here with you, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, whereas before maybe it felt like a, everything felt black and white, true, false, you know, like if... If I can offer that, then and and that is translated as safety, then then it's like it goes from true false to multiple choice, right? Like, right. oh, it's not a true false, it's not black and white. There are mm-hmm. actually lots of options here. Mm. Right. And I don't have to do it by myself. I don't have to figure it out by myself. Like I've got there's a there's a place to land if I figure it out and that, that's not the right answer for me, right? Like um that I have somebody in my corner. Yeah. If uh, if people wanted to to learn how to tune in to other people's stations, are mm-hmm. there any good resources, or what's mm-hmm. a good way that people can learn how to be that person if they themselves aren't going through right? Know, that pain? Uh, I think you know Sue Johnson. Uh, she is a EFT therapist, and she does she has great books. Mm. Uh, a lot of them are about um, love and about bonding and about responsiveness. Um, so, but she does a lot of her work on how do you respond to pain? Yeah. Right? Uh, there are a lot of great uh, clinicians out there who've written some amazing things about, like, respond, responding well, mm-hmm. right? How to how to just be present. Yeah. Right? I don't have to offer. First of all, I'm not going to offer anything I don't have because that comes across as bogus. Right. Right? Um, people can sm- sniff out uh, inauthentic. In authenticity, right, right, and it does not land a safety. I'll tell you that. Right, yeah. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? it's like the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, I would say, yeah. I mean, listen to some some of the podcasts. But uh, I would say start with Sue Johnson. Start with the the people who are looking at the brain research right now. Mm. You know, Brene Brown does a great job talking about um, authenticity and responsiveness and mm-hmm. vulnerable how to be vulnerable and, like, leaning into vulnerability. There are a lot of people talking about that right now. Mm. Well, great. Yeah. I like Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. I've only read one of her books, but I also saw that she just has a Netflix special Someone out. told me I needed to watch that. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool that she's 
recommended by you as well. So. Yeah. A good endorsement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's it for me. Um, yeah, like I said, a lot of my my questions got cleared up in the process of, of conversation and stuff like that. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. So thank you guys for having me. I hope I didn't ramble on. I have a tendency to ramble. No, you nailed it. You were the MVP. The LVP was the air conditioning and the the vacuum cleaner. So yes. I have to thank our listeners who continue to put up with our. Uh, you know, amateurishness with sometimes both our words, our physical space and all that stuff. But um, no, what you said was great. And um, normally I'm not always super jazzed or excited about having to edit episodes because I'm like, I just heard this, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I got to listen to it, do it again for an hour and a half or two hours. But I'm very excited that I can absorb this information again and then also share it. And that's what I'm so excited about with this series is just, I mean, as we discussed before the show, not a ton of listeners. Those who are here, we'd love you. But (laughs) having like something that can actually, you know, say, hey, like, let's get rid of this stigma. This is super normal. Let's Mm. talk about it. It's just the this space is safe, even though it's just connected through, you know, audio and everything. And then having some resources for people and um, just having a conversation because, I mean, there's room for questions, disagreement, all that jazz. But just the fact that we're talking about it and stuff, I'm very grateful and humbled. So thank you. Um, I don't know if there's anything that you would want to plug, but if you want to plug things, we would love to talk about it right now and direct people somewhere. I don't know if there's anything for you that you would. Well, um, sure. I I don't know where a lot of your listeners are from, but um, I mean, I know in Northwest Arkansas, we have amazing uh, counselors. Mm. I get to work with, uh, I get to work with a lot of them at the Joshua Center, but there are probably, I mean, um, I can't tell you the treasure trove that that Northwest Arkansas has mm-hmm. uh, with people who just love people mm-hmm. and uh, love and are constantly trying to grow how to be how to know more how to be safer how to provide uh, more. So anyway, uh, I would say uh, obviously reach out. Right, if I look at your insurance, like see who who covers what. Get a little curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of places, I know our organization, like if it's a if it's a cost issue, we work with that, right? Like, um, so I have myself, I have a, a fee scale, uh, but I don't want anyone not to come in because of financial issues, right? Mm-hmm. So that's negotiable. Mm-hmm. So a lot of places are negotiable and, they, and people don't know that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, to say, I can't do this, but I can do this. Is there is there any way you, you could work with me mm. for with that, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a bartering can be a bartering system. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, like you know, I'm one of my favorite um, things in Northwest Arkansas is is CR Celebrate Recovery. Uh, it's for anyone with hurts, habits, and hangups, which is pretty much everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of CR groups all over the area. And and I find that a lot of people who don't necessarily, they're not ready to like dig in with counseling necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. But but they have enjoyed like um, joining a community of people who are trying to really talk about like, man, this world's hard, mm-hmm. right? And, and this is kind of the self-protective judo we do mm-hmm. to cope with pain. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out how to, 
to do less of the things that sabotage us, right? Yeah. And and more of the things that actually bring life out of us. So I think I know some people find man, that kind of community can be so uh life-giving and safe. Um most of all, I think I would just say I'm plugging become more you, get curious about you, right? Mm-hmm. Um we need each other. We need each other in the ball game. We need all of our stories in the ball game. We don't work right, you know. Uh, so when I think of our communities, I think of these little individual treasure troves of stories and experiences, right? And so, um, like, I'm just gonna plug. Be brave. Uh, like, you know, if you're in a safe enough place. Uh, dive in, uh, get curious about, okay, how do I, how do I navigate this area? Mm. Right. So, and then, and then sometimes we have to be even more curious about how do we navigate joy or brains don't know what to do with joy either. It, it freaks <laughs> us out too. Like mm-hmm. our brains go, stop, that's scary. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so to, to just have someone walk beside you in that, um, that being said, sometimes people aren't in a safe enough place. Right. Mm. Uh, to pull all the things out of the closet and start that cleaning process, right? I would say I just, I'm going to plug, like, advocate for yourself, find some safety, you know, even if it's uh, hiring someone that's confidential Mm -hmm. to be able just to, like, pour stuff out with and and just say, I don't, I just don't want to be alone with this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I mean, I'm a broken record, but I love all of that. <laughs> uh, my quick three reactionary thoughts, and we'll see if I remember all of them going through them, is first, just in regards to the Joshua Center, obviously there is that faith-based aspect, and I think that's great, but just for any of our listeners who are like, eh, I don't like the sound of that, uh, they're very open, slash you guys are very open about like, hey, if you don't want that to be a part of your experience, like even like there's a physical scale and filling out the form, like, do you want to talk about this or not want to talk about this? And mm-hmm. you can say, I don't want that to be a part of it. Right. Um, and I know for me, I was like, I kind of don't want it to be a part because I was frustrated from when I would open up to people and they'd be like, well, don't be anxious. It says it in the Bible. I'm like, you're not being helpful. <laughs> but at the same time, it is a part of my life. And so it, I, I do want it to be something I can talk about is incorporate in but just that encouragement if some people aren't there or you know are not interested in that aspect it's not like well then you need to go somewhere else it's Mm -hmm. welcoming to everything um and i said this in our introduction episode but just to speak to what you're talking about with uh the financials too like for me i was able to do like a sliding scale so that was helpful for me because my insurance doesn't have uh like counseling or stuff available on it and so I was worried about that, but just, you know, again, based on my income, I pay that fee. And that was great for me. And that's really Mm -hmm. cool. So that's an option. Um, And then the third thing, I think that I have done what I said I didn't want to do and forgotten it. Um, But maybe, oh, and just everything you said and the stuff we talked about before will be in the show notes. So if you want some, if you heard what, you know, Ann said and said, ooh, that sounds interesting, but you forgot and don't want to fast forward, Mm -hmm. go to the show notes and we'll hopefully have links to all that stuff, um, make it a little bit easier for you. So, um, and also please reach out to uh, us and Noah and I for our, the fourth episode, the final episode of this series. If you have any questions, reactions, anything, we want to talk about it on our last episode. And so you can do that on Instagram or just our personal accounts. Again, everything's in the show notes. Um, 
and you are a champion. Thank you for gracing us with your words and your wisdom and um, kindness. I just, I really appreciate it. And I'm excited for my listeners uh, to do that too. And Noah, thank you for uh, just being my friend, being someone that can talk to me about these things. Again, like I take it for granted because I have a lot of really great friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, But thank you for being a safe place. Thank you for being a great co-host and a beautiful French man. Uh, Thank you for trusting me with all of that. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. And I wish you and and Noah a wonderful rest of your evening. Have a good night. Bye.